church family it's great to see you on the other side of the lens again last week we caught up finally face to face and we had a great time together uh, having communion and, and lunch together and we're still trying to work out some issues with the location but we hopefully we'll be back there soon and today we're looking at uh, going to continue our series on where's Jesus and the text we're looking at today is in John chapter 5 and so if you have your Bibles and grab a pen Uh, you might want to underline some of these key points that we see here in this passage. Because that's the point, isn't it? These are great stories, but they're not just there for our entertainment. They're actually there to teach us something about Jesus. And so if we can look for these main points and underline them, they're the things that we want to take away and apply to our life. Because the question we need to be asking ourselves as we read is why did John include this story in his testimony about Jesus? I mean, what was his point in in including this story? And what does he want us to know? What does he want us to know? And so that's what, when you're reading this passage, these are the questions that should be uh, circulating in our minds about as you read this this text. So if you're ready, let's read John chapter 5. We're not going to read all of it at once. We'll just take a, take a slab. So, John chapter 5, verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethsaida, with five covered porches, and crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up and someone else always gets there ahead of me. It would have been a fantastic sight, isn't it? Apparently the angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters once a year and everyone would just gather and try to get into this water. This guy obviously couldn't get there by himself. He needed help. And so Jesus asked him a significant question. It's a great question to ponder when, um, when we come into prayer, when we approach God. Is, it's almost like God saying, what would you like? What would you want? What do you want me to do for you? And it's a great question that shows great compassion and tenderness. Um, God knows what's best for us, but he actually invites us to spend time with him and engage with him in prayer. And so it's a good question to have in our minds, isn't it? What, what are we coming to God with? Because Jesus is standing there with us and he actually wants to help us. He wants to help us heal us, bring us up and, uh, and restore us, doesn't he? So what do you want? What do you want? Tell God. He's listening and he's waiting for your answer. Jesus told the man in verse 8, this is the answer that uh, this guy was not expecting, which often happens, doesn't it, with prayer. We get the answer we don't actually expect. Jesus says to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. 
and he rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders objected and they said to the man who was cured, you can't, walk on, walk, you can't work on the Sabbath and the Lord doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. And the man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something else, something worse may happen to you. And then the man went, and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So how did you go? What was the thing that you underlined? What jumped out to you? What do you think is the main point? For me, there was a main point, and it was a really significant point that I want to share with you today. It's um, four words that really encapsulate the entirety of life, I think. I mean, if I was going to get a tattoo, these four words, would pro- I'd probably write them on my arm as a permanent reminder of how to live my life. These four words really describe for me the reason that God has created us. He made us for a purpose, and one is... And this is to rise up, rise up from the effects of sin, to rise up in the power and the strength of God and overcome the world, to not be put down constantly by the the effects and consequences of our sin, but to rise up in Jesus' name and in his power and overcome the world. Powerful word, rise up. It's a great challenge for us to think about. And secondly, to walk. Walk on this path of righteousness that God has called us to walk on. It's a narrow path and it's a difficult path, but it's a, it's a right path. It's a path that is actually what's best for us. God wants what's best for us and he calls us to walk. It's almost like with Jesus on this path of righteousness. So let me show you how I got there on the, in terms of this text. Because later on, Jesus finds this man in the temple and he's probably, the guy's probably praising God. He's probably offering sacrifices in the temple. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's, he's, he's doing the right thing there. Uh, but Jesus comes along to him and he says in verse 14, stop sinning. I mean, he obviously wasn't sinning at that point. So, but Jesus said, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And that's an interesting statement, isn't it? I mean, what could Jesus be talking about here? Because he can't be talking about... God punishing people for their sin here on earth because the Bible says that the time of judgment is yet to come. When Jesus returns, he will return as a judge. And so judgment for sin isn't happening here on earth at the moment. What is happening on earth at the moment is that because of our rebellion against God, we are suffering the consequences of our sin. We've rebelled against God. And so we're not living, uh, ruling the earth like God has called us to rule. Um, oversee the earth and rule it, Jesus said to Adam and Eve. And so the world is in the state it's in because of our rebellion against God. And so we have floods and famines and global disasters. We have diseases that we're struggling with. We have sickness and even death. These aren't part of God's plan. It never was. But as a result of our rebellion against God, these things have have become part of our world. And so God is not judging the world. 
This is because we just simply not lived under the advice of how to rule under God and govern the world like we were asked to. So, you know, God is not like this traffic cop that's sitting there waiting to catch us out every time we sin. He's not sitting there with a speed camera behind a bush and hiding and, aha, got you, and now, now here's the fine. God doesn't act like that. He warns us about the consequences of breaking the law and, and say that the consequences of speeding may be death. But God is, so God is warning us as well. He's saying, don't live like this because the consequences are not good. One of the consequences of living life apart from God or rebelling against God here on earth is that there will be a judgment of sin in the time to come. So it's, it affects us here on earth. Our rebellion against God affects us here on earth and in the life to come. So Jesus is not warning the man that if you continue to sin, there'll be judgment. He's saying there will be judgment to come if you continue to sin. And I know that because of the I've read ahead in the next couple of verses. So let's have a look at uh, verse 16 down to 30. It says, uh, So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. And so the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, and thereby making himself equal with God. And Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by, by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. And whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and he shows him everything that he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. And then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In verse 22, In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honour the Son just as they honour the Father. And anyone who does not honour the Son is certainly not honouring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life. And they will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death into life. And I assure you that there is a time coming, indeed it is here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. And the Father has the Father has life in himself, and he has granted the same life-giving power to his Son, and he has given him authority to judge, to judge everyone, because he is the Son of Man. And don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. And those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just. Because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, and not my own will. That's a pretty powerful passage, isn't it? The, the, the main point of this passage, I think, is really that saying this is really about life after death. This isn't about the here and now, this, this man's sin. It's about the judgment to come. Introduces Jesus as the judge. He's the son of God who's been given absolute authority to rule and to judge this, this earth. 
So who is it that Jesus is going to judge? Well, according to the text, it is those who continue to sin, those who continue to do evil. So Jesus is giving this guy, and thankfully he's giving us, a heads up about the future. He's saying, once you've received the good news, once you've been raised up and uh, from death to life, then don't continue to sin. Don't continue to live this life of sin anymore. Rise up and walk forward. That's the good news of the gospel. You've been raised spiritually from the dead. Why go back to your old way of life? See, there's a day coming, Jesus says, indeed it's here now, when the voice of the Son of God will speak and everyone will hear it. And anyone who's received breath or the Spirit of God will be raised from the dead. But those who continue and and live a life with God, but those who continue to ignore God, they will too rise, but they will face the judgment of Jesus. And his judgment is just. You can't defend yourself and say, well, I didn't know. I I, I thought I was doing the right thing. No. This is the word of God is is spelled it out for us and, and told us how we can live and how to walk righteously. See, the good news of the gospel is that those who have been raised up because of the power of Jesus won't be condemned. We won't be judged for our sin. We, we, we can walk this path of righteousness with Jesus. And that's why these words, these four words, are so essential for us. And they encapsulate the whole life, the whole of life for me. The fact that we've been raised up and the fact that we can now walk blamelessly with Jesus. Like this lame man laying beside the pool for 38 years, we too have experienced the hardship of life. We too have been knocked down, we've been trampled on, we've been cursed, told to get out of the way, told to shut up, you know, we've been judged, people have lied to us, people hate us. I mean, all of these things are things that Jesus experienced as well. I mean, he was trying to do the right thing on the Sabbath and he was even, uh, you know, cursed for doing that. And so this is part of the journey, part of the walk as living a a life that brings honour and glory to God. People will reject us. But this is the thing. Jesus is walking with us. He's, He's given us strength to rise up in his name and to walk this path of righteousness. He's he's calling you up today. So don't accept what the world says about you. Don't accept it. It's not true. You're not worthless. You're not hopeless. You're not being punished for your sin. That's not happening right now. You've been raised to life by the Son of God, and your slate has been wiped clean of your past sins. It's been erased. God's not holding that against you. There is no condemnation for those who have been raised up in Christ. There is none. You're free to walk with Jesus without guilt, without condemnation. You know, we often think the gospel is only found in the New Testament, but it's not true. This is a message that Jesus actually gave to Daniel, the prophet. Um, Yeah, true. Back in Daniel, the book of Daniel, back 600 In the 6th century, 605 BC, uh, between then and 536 BC, Daniel received prophecies. He was in exile, and one of those prophecies was a man appeared to him and spoke to him and told him these things. Let's read that together. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 5. 
Then I, Daniel, looked, and I saw two others standing on the opposite sides of the banks of the river. And one of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was now standing above the river, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? And the man dressed in linen, who was standing above the river, raised both hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times, and half a time. And when the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all of these things will have happened. And I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. He's not the only one. So I asked, How will this finally end, my Lord? But he said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and is sealed until the time of the end. Verse 10, Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. And from the time of the daily sacrifices stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is, is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise up again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. Well, it's not uh, word for word in John chapter 5, is it? But it certainly does parallel a few things. First is that those who continue to live and ignore God will stand before God in judgment. But the second is Jesus is standing on the water and declaring the good news of the gospel, that those who are raised in the strength and the power of God continue can walk with God. They can live this life, overcome the world and its evil influences. And they can walk with Jesus and they will be purified, they'll be cleansed and they'll be refined. And these part of what the trials of this life are doing are refining us, helping us to become more and more like Jesus, even experience the persecution that he experienced. Friends, be faithful, stay with Jesus, rise up and walk with Jesus, walk this path of righteousness. Have a great day. Let me pray for you before we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that uh, you've for all you've done for us. We thank you that you've given us a second chance to be raised up from the dead, to not experience the consequences of our sin, the sins that we deserve to be punished for. Father, we deserve death, but you've given us life in Jesus' name. Help us now to walk in this path, to walk this path of righteousness with Jesus, to be led by him like a disciple following him step by step, to walk in his path and to live this life that you've called us to live, this path of doing what is right for our friends and neighbours and for even for our own life. Father, we are blessed to know Jesus in this life and we look forward to a future with him forever. We give you thanks in his name. Amen. That's it. Have a great week, church. Hopefully we'll see you at church face-to-face next week. We'll see you then. Bye. This is-